Just begin to move, Holy Spirit, across your people right now. Just begin to move in a fresh way, Holy Spirit. Just begin to move in a fresh way. Come on, open your hearts. Lift your hands one more time. Jesus, you are so present in this place. You are so real. You are here, Lord. Lord, thank you that the sick are healed, the blind see, the lame leap, the deaf hear. Hearts are revived. Marriages are healed. Lives are strengthened. Weak hands are made strong. Trembling knees are strengthened. Fear and anxiety leaves the hearts of your people. Revival breaks out. Awakening occurs. Father, we thank you for your anointing. You're so worthy of it all, Lord. You're so worthy of it all. Our praise, our adoration. We give you praise today, Lord. We reach out to you, Lord Jesus, and we thank you that you are all we need. Every other cistern has left us dry. But, Lord, your living waters is the waters that thrill our heart. You're the fresh bread that comes down from heaven, God, and feeds our greatest needs. Father, I pray as we just spend some time in your word that you would just be breaking out, doing what only you can do. Father, we thank you that there's a hunger within us for more of you. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, you can grab your chairs. It's such a joy to be with you today and uh, such a pleasure and an honor to, to be with you and um, be able to speak something into your hearts from the Father. Amen. And uh, it's a joy always to spend time with with uh, Pastor David and Faye, they are dear friends. And I just love their hearts, don't you? Just faithful people. You know, the Bible says, you know, a faithful man who can find. Well, I've found one. I found a faithful man and a faithful woman, and they're called David and Faye. And uh, they just, they love God and they love God's people. I love that. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in Christianity at the moment and uh, things are moving and things are shifting. But it's so refreshing when you meet a couple that are just sold out for what God wants them to do. And just love like a shepherd the people that God has entrusted to their care. So I just want to honor your pastors. I just want to honor David and Faye. And I'm just so thankful for their lives. Come on, let's thank the Lord for them. <coughs> Amen. We need to know that we're in a moment, a God moment, a moment that I would call Kairos, a moment where God is moving in a fresh and a new way on the earth. So often we speak about what God will do one day. I really believe we're in a moment where one day is here. God is a God of moments. And I put the screen up behind me with the word kairos. Because kairos is one of two Greek words that's used for time or moments, <coughs> seasons. And one of the words that's used for time is chronos. And chronos is logical time, sequential time. It's the day, the week, the month, the year. Oh, next week on Wednesday on the 14th of June. That's Kronos. It's how we understand eternity. It's how we box and 
understand and function within life. But God is outside of Kronos. And God's word for time is Kairos. And where Kronos is logical, sequential, Wednesday, Friday, the 18th, the year 2023, Kairos is a God-divine moment of opportunity where he does something he always intended to do in a moment that he designed. I really believe that we are standing in a God moment where God is doing something that he planned to do before any of us were born. When we look at Kairos, it's not a time, an hour, a date. It's a moment when God says, now, and something is released on the earth. We're in a moment now, coming off of the back of some terrible moments that the devil provided. Some moments where fear were rampant, disease, sickness, a worldwide flu, moments of confusion, desperation. Everyone else has shown their cards, and God is about to show his. And when he does, there is a move of the Spirit that's beyond anything any of us have experienced in previous revivals. Something that I believe precedes the second coming of Jesus Christ. You see, there's a moment planned when Jesus will return. God isn't making it up as he goes along. That's what we do. God isn't haphazard. God's not walking around heaven saying, what do we do now? It's 2023. God designs moments before we're born. We wake up in moments and suddenly realize this is a God moment, <coughs> a Kairos moment, Kairos in Kronos. The best way I can describe this for those who are a little bit older like me it's like the moment the man from Del Monte, he say, yeah. <laughs> Anybody remember the man from Del Monte? For those that don't, he was the guy that sat on the porch with a pineapple farm, a fruit farm, that waited for the perfect moment to say, now. And in that moment, the harvest was brought in. He waited for a moment of perfect ripeness, a moment where the crop and the harvest were so right to be harvest. And in the adverts, the man from Del Monte in that moment would say yes. And when he said yes, the combine harvesters would come out of the barn. Suddenly the harvesters would step into the harvest field. The man from heaven, he say yeah. See, God designs moments before any of us are born that we wake up in. We've got to understand this. Think about Noah that, you know, theologians have argued for years. Well, theologians always argue, don't they? But they've argued for years over how long it was for Noah to build the ark and the rains to come. Some say it was 50, some say 50, 75, some say, no, it was 75 years to 100 years. Some say that was actually 120 years. Let's just settle the argument, it was a long time. It was a long time, but let's pick on 100 years. You've got to understand that 
God comes to Noah and says, it's going to rain. But he is speaking about a moment a hundred years later. Because God is outside of Kronos. He lives in divine moments where he does what he wants to do when he plans to do it. He is sovereign. He is not following our lead. We are following his. And so Noah starts building an ark, and a hundred years later, on a specific moment called Kairos, it begins to rain. Think of Joseph. God speaks to Joseph, and he's a boy in a field, doesn't even know yet who to talk to and who not. And God says to him, prime minister, saving a nation from famine. Now, I'm sure that Joseph must have sat there and said, oh, that's going to be good. That'll be next week, Kronos. Well, actually, he started a journey involving betrayal, abandonment, imprisonment, imprisonment that lasted 14 years. But all of a sudden, there was a moment, we spoke about it last time I was here, where the door opened and a Kairos moment came into being that God had designed when he first spoke to the boy Joseph. And all of a sudden, in one day, he went from being a prisoner to being a prime minister. See, God doesn't need long. He spends long teeing things up. But when he moves, <coughs> it's a suddenly. <coughs> I believe that God is challenging me to challenge you that we are in a suddenly moment. Like Isaiah prophesied, it's not time to be asleep, it's time to be awake. It's time to be awake. Like it says in the New Testament, your salvation is closer now than when you first believed. This is a God moment. You see, when Jesus was born, he wasn't born according to Kronos. He was born according to Kairos. God had a perfect moment where his son would be born on the earth, where the word would become flesh and dwell amongst us, born in a manger. It wasn't Kronos. It wasn't December the 25th. It was a moment when he said, now, in the fullness of time, Christ came. Listen, in the fullness of time, Christ will come again. We are in a moment where I believe God is adding an ingredient to the church. I'm not talking about the building, the meeting. I'm talking about the people because we are the church. I believe we are in a moment where God is adding an ingredient to the recipe of who we are that will change everything. I've made a bit of bread in my life. I was in a stage in my life where I thought, let me be a baker. Maybe it was the great British Bake Off or something that inspired me. But I thought, I need to make bread. Before I die, I need to make bread <coughs> with my hands. I need to make bread. Something primal about that. And there's many great ingredients that you put in a bowl to make bread, right? <coughs> the bread is, the, the flour is awesome. The oil is awesome, the sugar, the salt. The other ingredients that you use to make tradi traditional bread, they're all great ingredients. 
But there's one ingredient that changes everything. Anybody tell me what that is? Yeast. Some ways, the smallest of ingredients, yet when you add it to the other things in the bowl that are great ingredients, everything changes. Everything comes alive. Things begin to rise. As you add this yeast to the other ingredients in the bowl, the other ingredients find their true identity and begin to react with each other. And a supernatural thing begins to happen. Come on, you've all done it. You add the yeast, you, 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 you knead it in, and then you put a kitchen towel over it and put it somewhere warm. And the next time you pull away the kitchen towel, it's not like it was before. Something unusual happened that caused the other good ingredients to be what they weren't before. I believe we're in a moment <clears throat> where the church is like a mixing bowl. We've got so many good ingredients in the, in the bowl. They're all good. But there's one ingredient that God is about to add that is going to change everything. It's an ingredient that only he can add. Because this ingredient isn't human, it's divine. <laughs> There's something about yeast that makes it different to the other ingredients. Because of the reactions it causes. The Holy Spirit, in this moment, is adding an ingredient to the church. That will change everything. Would you like to know what the ingredient is? Please, let me pre-warn you, it's so simple, some of you may consider it ridiculous. It's so simple that some of you will want your money back, but you haven't paid anything, so that's a no-goer. <laughs> this is all free today. No refunds. The ingredient that I believe the Lord is adding to the church at the moment that is and will change everything, is an ingredient I actually discovered in Wales <laughs> the last time I was here. It took me, what was it, five months ago I was here? It took me five months to get my head around this ingredient. It was so simple, yet it wasn't. I remember when I arrived last time, pastors had put me in this beautiful hotel in this really nice area. Like I guess that, it was beautiful. And I can remember I walked in to my hotel room and I put my bag on the bed and it was like suddenly I was conscious that I was under an open heaven in Wales and God dropped a word in my heart which was the ingredient I'm going to share with you today. The ingredient that changes everything, are you ready? Is the actuality of God. When a God who is real and really here becomes real to you. You see, for many people, hey, did anyone just feel the air change? For many people, God has been a concept, a theology, an ideology, a philosophy, a hand-me-down relationship 
from parents that loved him. There's a difference between God being a concept and God suddenly becoming so actually real within your life, you can never be the same again. Like I said, our lives are bowls filled with great ingredients. Worship, reading the Word, serving. But I believe all of those things change the moment, the actuality, when the Holy Spirit adds the actuality of God and something within us, uninspired by man, suddenly cries out, He's real! <laughs> and you can never be the same again. What you've seen, you can't unsee. What you felt, you can't unfeel. The move of the Spirit that's on the earth right now, I was over in America two weeks hearing all that's going on in Asbury through those young people, watching God break out in Kentucky, Alabama. I'm, I'm watching the news and there's revivals breaking out in the Philippines and in Venezuela. In the Philippines, thousands are coming down to the shore and getting baptized. There's a move of the Spirit. A kairos, now. But I really believe it's God adding his reality to people that believe in him. But he has been concept to them, rather than somebody who has possessed their life. <laughs> Interesting thought, hey? You say, well, I'm not sure about this. Well, think about this. <coughs> In church today, we have worship. And worship is beautiful. We've never had better music. We've never had better instruments. We've never had better worship leaders, lighting, smoke. But any worship or any worshiper, including Pastor Faye, will tell you that when you look out during a time of worship on a Sunday morning, you'll see half the people worshipping and half of the people standing like this, looking at their watch. I'm talking about Christians. You'll see half of the people worshipping, but you'll see an element, a large element, who can't even get here on time for it, won't engage with it, are looking at their time during it. Could I put to you, members of the jury, the missing ingredient to our worship is the actuality of God. Because when you actually believe He is here in our midst, He is here in our lives. It's not a matter of motivating yourself to worship. You need people to help you stop. <laughs> Come on, it's true. What about this thing called the Great Commission? Where we stand here and we say, hey, do you know that Jesus Christ is coming back? And when he comes back, if a person's name isn't written in the Lamb's Book of Life, they'll go to a lost eternity known as hell forever and all time. 
And you can kind of speak about this stuff in church to all the good ingredients that are in the bowl and people will go, oh, absolutely, I believe in hell. But they don't ever tell their friends and family about Jesus. There's not an absence of concept. There's the absence of an actual belief that there is a hell. And there is a heaven. And people go to one or the other when they die, depending on whether they found Christ. I've had Christians say to me for years, Oh, pastor, wouldn't it be lovely to go to heaven for five minutes? I'm more honest now. I'd say, for some of you, I'd rather you went to hell for five minutes and see where your friends and family are going to spend eternity if you don't find the courage to begin to tell them about the reality and the actuality of heaven and hell. See, concept is knowing. Revelation is knowing as you ought. The Apostle Paul said, let the man who says he knows. That's the Pentecostal church, right? We know everything. But then Paul says, may he know as he ought. What does that mean? May he not know in concept. May he know in revelation and actuality. Come on, think about it. Let's go back to worship. Imagine... If we actually believed Jesus was in the room when we were worshipping. Imagine how our worship would change. James wouldn't have to do another thing. The team wouldn't have to do another thing. A people that suddenly go, he's real. Would change their worship to accommodate the one who's present. Sometimes I'm tempted to pay someone to dress up, tell you the truth. During worship, but I know that's wrong. I know that's wrong, so I won't do it. But I'm thinking, how would the worship change, right? If, you know, I'm talking about people that worship with their eyes open so they can see what time it is. I, 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 I say, what about in worship, right? If suddenly I paid someone, like the guy from Chosen, who enjoys watching Chosen? What a, you, some of you need to get out more. Chosen is awesome, it's a brilliant portrayal of God with a character and a personality. But imagine if you had the guy who plays Jesus in, in The Chosen or a guy that looks like Robert Powell from Jesus of Nazareth. He's one of your favorites. But during worship, right, you suddenly look up and there's a man with a beard and long hair and a white gown, everything you think him to be, just walking across the stage. <laughs> imagine if you look up and there's someone who resembles everything you believe Christ to be. Just walking there with a big smile on his face, with eyes of love and fire. I think we would move from this. Because you can't see him with your eyes open, doesn't mean he's not here. I believe this move of the Spirit is about the God who is real becoming real to us in a real way. See, all of our arguments of whether we should worship this way, whether we should tithe, is the tithe old text, all of that junk is settled when God becomes real and actual within our hearts. See, actuality delivers us from him being a concept, an ideology, historical figure, 
brings us to a place where suddenly we're challenged that what we believe must affect what we do. Because what a person believes is demonstrated by how they live. Now, we can be cheap in our belief. I believe this, I believe that, I believe this, I believe that. When it's nothing more than a statement. I believe the Holy Spirit brings us to a better stage of believing. State of believing. Where suddenly we say, I believe this. And it has an effect on what we do, what we don't do. What happens when people are watching and when people are not. Oh, like Paul said to the Corinthian church, oh, that we would know that the person of the Holy Spirit lives within our lives. Nothing could come against you ever again. Nothing could beat you ever again. But as long as that's a concept, though true, the experience of your life won't live in the good of it. I see a day coming where the Spirit of God, I said this to pastors last night and they liked it. The best way I can term what I'm feeling is happening is this. Aslan is on the move. Have we got any C.S. Lewis fans here? Aslan is on the move. He's not coming, he's here. And he's moving by his spirit and the snow is melting. The ice queen is shaking. And God is bringing forth the daughters and the sons of Adam. Who have been redeemed by the blood of a lamb. To take their place and be who they're called to be. But when I, when I close my eyes, I see this affecting us in church, but I also affect it, see it affecting people in, in Tesco's. That as the Spirit of God begins to move on the hearts of people that unknowingly are calling out to him, people that you minister to with the care ministry, I see a moment where it's going to be on the news. For no reason, a single mother struggling to raise three children, abandoned by a husband, falls to her knees in Tesco and suddenly declares, God is real! God is real! Because God just touched her heart in the middle of Tesco's with the reality of his actuality. And he was no longer a concept learnt in RE. But someone that just touched her life. That's awakening. If you imagine a man walking on the edge of a cliff, walking on the edge of a cliff where there was a sheer drop, and you approached that man and said, do you believe that you could fall off of the edge with one wrong step and you would fall to your death? And he would say, I honestly believe that. Next question, do you want to die? No then what you say you believe is not being demonstrated in how you're currently walking. Move away from the edge. For us as Christians, 
we need to look at the things we say we believe and allow the yeast of actuality to suddenly awaken it so that we're in shock. I suddenly believe in worshipping God like I never have before. No man twisted my arm. Surely the Holy Spirit just added an ingredient. Imagine when this happens and we have to have teams of people stopping people worshipping. Wouldn't that be fun? You've got to stop now, stop now, stop. It's like that moment when Moses took an offering for the temple. And these days, pastors read that and they're like, that is like my wildest dream come true. That the ushers came to Moses because people actually believed in God. And that affected their giving to the degree degree that when Moses says, hey, we're going to take an offering to make sure the house of God is what it needs to be. Suddenly the ushers were like, they're animals, they won't stop. And Moses had to stand up on a box and say, stop giving. Stop it. We've got more than enough. I am banning you from giving. You see, God was actual to them. So what they owned actually belonged to him. Just a thought. All right, you say you haven't opened the Bible yet, young man. All right, let's open it. Genesis 28. I want you to see a moment of actuality with a person who knew God, but suddenly knew God. It's a moment that we call Bethel. A moment involving a man called Jacob. Everybody know Jacob? Jacob was a liar and a serper. He didn't live a good life. He was the guy that allowed his mum to dress him up in animal skin so he could steal a blessing. He was, a, he was the guy that, that, that took his brother's birthright for a bowl of stew. You know Jacob. Now Jacob, this isn't a trick question. Jacob had a very famous father. What was the name of his father? Isaac. Real famous character. He had a really famous granddad. What was his granddad's name? Okay. Yet you see at the bottom of this chapter, even though his granddad was the man who discovered the tithe, he himself didn't tithe. Because he'd seen his grandfather and his father walking with God in something that was actual. Yet for Jacob... God had not yet become actual. Yet he was concept and he was relational hand-me-down. He believed in a God that his dad and his granddad believed in. But God had an appointment. God had a moment. God, when, when Jacob was totally unaware that there was a moment he was stepping into, a Kairos moment, he didn't have an appointment with God. God had an appointment with him. Jacob, the one known as liar, a serper, is walking somewhere unaware of where he is. He comes into a place that's just an everyday place. And he says, I'm going to rest here. I'm just highlighting the story before we get to verse 16. And he comes to a place and he just thinks it's an everyday place. It says he gets a rock. 
and he puts it under his head as a pillow. That's strange, isn't it? I, I like a firm pillow. But it's got to have a little bit of bouncy, you know? Not a rock, not a boulder. When I read that, I'm like, you slept on a boulder? You must have been tired. I like a firm pillow, but it's got to be a little bit of bounce. But he goes to sleep, and he suddenly realizes he's present in a Kairos moment where God had been waiting for him to fall asleep because God couldn't get through to him when he was awake. God speaks to me so much when I'm asleep. And I think sometimes it's just a lot quicker of a job for God when Andy is out of the way. <laughs> and he can speak straight to the spirit man of who I am without the flesh man getting in the way. <laughs> and so he has this dream, and you know in this dream he sees what's known as Jacob's ladder, the staircase, and it's going from earth to heaven. Where he is, is earth where he's located, at the top of a ladder, it's like an escalator, is God. And there's ministering spirits going up and down. It didn't happen when he saw it. It happened before he saw it. But it wasn't actual to him until he'd seen what was happening in the place he was. But it didn't happen when he went to sleep. It was what was ordinary in the unseen. And God said, I need to open your eyes to what's actually happening here. And God begins to speak to him, I was with your dad, I'm with you, I was with your granddad, I'm with you. I bless them, you're blessed in them. My promises to them are my pro Hold on, wait a moment. What did he do to deserve this moment? Nothing. That's grace. He hadn't spent 10 days preparing. He hadn't even celebrated Lent. <laughs> He'd done nothing. But that's grace. When God says, I've got a moment for you, it's going to change everything. And so he wakes up from this dream, and I want to pick up on these verses in verse 16. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought to himself, Surely the Lord is in this place, and the issue is that I was not aware of it. Surely God is in this place, and I have been unaware of the actuality of his presence. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven and he sets the stone up as a place of remembrance. Here we're dealing with an Old Testament encounter with God where it was about physical, get ready for God to break out any minute, please, please get ready where it was to do with God and physical locations. Temples made of brick in physical locations. What if we are unaware of not just God being in a place with his made known presence, but God's presence 
now in the temple. What if the Holy Spirit was to breathe upon us in a breath of awakening and suddenly our eyes were to open to the actuality of the Spirit of the living God living in us. Just like a physical place went from being boring to awesome. Suddenly our lives would move from being worthless, unwanted, no purpose, to being awesome. Maybe that could be the cure for low self-esteem. <laughs> Maybe that could be the cure for why a young person feels they need to harm themselves. Maybe that could be the cure for some of the things that we put ourselves through. But we do not realize that when you are spirit-filled, the God who made everything comes to live in you. You see that you can even physically walk with God and not understand or actually believe what he said. Thomas did that. See, you read in John 20 about a moment after the resurrection where the disciples, let me read it to you because it's so powerful, where the disciples, remember the disciples had physically walked with him. Jesus says, blessed are those who haven't seen and believe. But the disciples had physically walked with Jesus on the earth. Thomas had been in multiple meetings where Jesus clearly said, I am going to die. They are going to kill me. They are going to put me in a grave. But on the third day, I will rise again. And my resurrection will be the invoice that the blood that I paid has been received by the Father. And you can have resurrection too. See, if it had been no resurrection, there'd be no invoice that the blood was enough to do what it was meant to do. Now imagine if you're sitting there with Jesus and you've, you've sat around a campfire and he's told you over and over again, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. But they'll tear down this temple, but in three days the temple will be back. Let me explain that to you. They're going to kill me. They're gonna, you're going to see me die on a cross. Everything in the prophets, it's me. I'm the one that has his beard pulled out. That's me. But don't worry, guys. On the third day I will rise from the dead. You kind of think everybody would be on the same page, right? All right. John chapter 20. Jesus appears to some of the disciples, all right? The disciples come and tell Thomas. Now, it says in verse 24, sorry. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, I don't know why he had two names. One of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, we have seen the Lord. In that statement, they were saying, he did it. He beat the grave. He beat death. Jesus has risen from the dead. 
Now listen to this. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, that's gross. And my hand in his side, I won't believe. I love this. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. And Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Why did he say that? Because he just walked through a closed door. Just imagine you were there for a moment. You're sitting there eating some pita bread and some falafel. No door opens, but suddenly somebody walks through the door because he's unlimited by human frame anymore. And he said, peace be with you. It's because they were freaking out. <laughs> peace be with you. Then Thomas, he said to Thomas, Thomas, I heard that you need to put your fingers in the holes. He must have been looking around the room. Who ratted me out? <laughs> Jesus said, no, I heard you. If that's what it takes for me to become actual, go ahead, put your fingers in the holes. If you need to put your hand in my side, there's the wound. Whatever you need to do for you to realize everything I said I would do, I have actually done. I will never die again. And because you believe in me, neither will you. See, it's the Holy Spirit that has to add this ingredient. But that's what he always does. It's always been the Holy Spirit who took things from concept, ideology, theology, to become an actual. Remember in the book of Genesis, you've got this wonderful picture of the Godhead creating everything. And you've got God the Father who speaks, let there be light. Yet in this moment, there is no light. It's present but unseen. It's concept. And then the Holy Spirit takes hold of what's true because God has spoken. And he makes what's unseen, seen. And that which was spoken becomes actual. That same Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit who's moving right now on the earth, in this place, and in your heart, making the things that were concept belief suddenly so real, your life cannot be the same again. Why is this important? Because if we believe that God is actually here, it means the healer is actually here. If we believe that God is here by his spirit, in us and with us, then the spirit of the healer the spirit of the one who sets people free from every bondage and captivity with one look of his eyes is present in 
this place, but also this place. Man, if young people, old people struggle with porn, this will sort it out. It will be really hard to indulge yourself in pornography. When you have a consciousness of the Holy Christ living in you, it would just ruin everything. <laughs> Suddenly when sickness knocks on the door, you realize you don't have to open. It can knock, but it's not coming in. Because of Christ in you. The revelation of the New Testament that God has taken you and placed you in Christ and taken his spirit and placed his spirit in you. We need the Holy Spirit to remove that from concept to giving us an awakening where in the middle of the night, walking down the street, sitting in a church, something, there's a sound that says, God is real! A God who is real has just become real to me. He didn't become real when I believed, just like the ladder didn't become real when the man saw it. It was always there. Blow, Holy Spirit. Blow, Holy Spirit. We don't want man-made revival. We've done that. We don't want noise created by man with no spiritual substance. We want you to open our hearts and our eyes to the reality. We're in a moment where God is breaking out. I was reading a little bit the other day about Aristotle. Not that I read Aristotle all day. I read stuff of much shallower depth. But he was a good kid. He kind of knew some things. Him and his friend Socrates, or Socrates as he's known. But actually, he came up with a concept or a theology or a theory of realism. And it caught my attention because he said, in actuality, you have two, two things. You have, number one, potentiality, and number two, actuality. He said potentiality is when everything is in place for something to happen. Actuality is when it does. I believe that we're moving from potentiality of all the things that God has already done into a moment of worldwide revival where the Spirit of God, outside of the permission of man, begins to touch hearts in a way that they've never been touched before. I was on an aeroplane, and I said, God, you're going to have to help me to get this. And he showed me a gun. And he said, when somebody's got a gun, and it's got bullets in it, and they pull back the hammer, or the pull back the hammer, you have potentiality. Everything is present for something to happen. But it all changes when you pull the trigger. We are in a Kairos moment where God is pulling the trigger. It's going to be a moment of miracle healings that are so easy. It's going to be a moment where people around us are going to be getting healed and no one even prayed for them because the Holy Spirit. It's going to be a moment where we become conscious that the healer is in the room, that, that God's presence means he's here. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Captivity has to leave. The eyes of the blind open. We're in this moment 
Let's be awake. Let's be awake. I want to pray two prayers. I don't want to create anything here that would take away the soberness of what God's speaking. But I do want to pray two prayers. I want to pray for anyone today who has never given their life to Jesus. That you today wouldn't give your life to religion, but you would step into a relationship with Jesus. And then I'm going to pray a prayer for anyone that really wants God to open their eyes to the actuality of who he is in a fresh way. So firstly, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never given your life to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, could I get a keyboard player? Can you come and do what you do, please, James? If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, remember, Jacob lived in his parents' experience of God until God gave him his own. His granddad was Abraham, but God hadn't become his God till that moment. In that moment, his mind was changed forever. A few moments later, he wrestles with God, imagine that, and God touches his hip. And from that moment, his mind isn't changed, his walk is changed. He's never the same again. But it was all encounters with God. If you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, what you need is an encounter with Jesus. You don't need the concept of Jesus. You need to encounter him, feel him, experience him. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to do something very, very brave. Or you've been away from God and you say, I need to give my life to Jesus. I want you to stand up in wherever you are right now and I'll pray for you. See, if you won't stand up from here, you won't live for him out there. If you want to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you want to give your life to him. I'm going to ask you, if that's you, to stand to your feet right now. He'll meet you in an encounter if you'll do that. Just going to wait. I know that the house is filled with God lovers. But just in case there's one. Is there one today? God bless you, sir. Stay standing. Is there, is there a second person? We're not playing games here. God bless you. God bless you. Jesus is saying, if you want it, you can have it. God bless you. I think we made coming to Christ so easy. Hey, God bless you. There's number four. That's awesome. You're incredible. It takes amazing courage. Well done. Is there a fifth person? Come on, we made this stuff. Hey, God bless you, young man. You're a, you're a superhero. You are. You're awesome. Come on, God's saying, you want to know me? Then do something about it. Sixth person? Come on, if the Holy Spirit's moving on your heart and saying, you don't know Jesus, get up to your feet. Like in the moment with Zacchaeus, the one you've heard about will become your friend. Lord, I pray for every person standing right now, young and old, male and female. 
But as they stand, let's just pray this together, church, everyone. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you've given Jesus to remove the debt of sin and give a person a brand new life. I come to the cross and I see my sin forgiven and my old man removed and I receive the gift of salvation. Okay. Amen. Father, I pray right now for every person standing that's prayed that prayer that you, Lord Jesus, would become so real on the inside, that you would become so real, that you would become so real, for six or seven people standing right now, that you would become so real, that Jesus, you would become so real right now, and everything will change. Fill them with your Holy Spirit in a real and vibrant way. But suddenly they're managing internal change and loving every moment of it. But suddenly they're experiencing transformation and loving every moment. God became alive on the inside. You can be seated. Thank you for those that stood up. That took a lot of courage. But I believe God met you in that moment. If you need to talk to the pastors about your next step or say, what do I do now, pastors? You've got pastors that will lovingly take those next steps with you. All right, what about the rest of you? Is anybody ready for a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit? Just stand to your feet. Let me pray for you. That's beautiful. Thank you. See, you're standing because you're in pursuit of reality. Your hearts crave that which you've heard is available. And God will meet you in that. I'm going to pray a simple prayer now. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit, the precious Holy Spirit, who's in this place and living in you, to give you a Bethel moment may happen right now, may happen tonight. But to give every one of you a Bethel moment where suddenly you're left saying, why do I believe he's so very, very real like never before? Just lift your hands for me if you would. Holy Spirit, I pray for each of these men and women and children. But as you are moving, Holy Spirit, on the earth, in this Kairos moment, you are awakening the hearts of your people. You are reaching the hearts of the unsaved. You are awakening the hearts of the saved. In one moment, you blow and the rust falls off and the life comes back. The joy and the peace return in a moment because of your indwelling presence. Holy Spirit, would you breathe in a fresh way, a pneuma way, across 
the hearts of every person reaching out to you now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. I just begin to thank him. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Some are shaking, some are crying. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Demonstrate yourself. Jesus, you are here, so let the sick be healed right now. Let the sick be healed right now. Let sicknesses fall off of people right now, just because the healer is here. Thank you that those healings won't leave when they leave because the healer remains in them. Lord, sickness comes off of bodies right now because of a revelation of your actuality in this place and in our lives. Right now, depression is broken. Right now, off of life's depression, the Spirit of the Lord, He's upon me. He's anointed me to set the captive free, to proclaim jubilee, to release captives, to open blind eyes. Let the same Spirit that was on Christ that now rests upon His church Break every captivity. Right now, insanity is being mended. Someone's had an element of insanity mended right now. Right now, dementia is reversed. Dementia is reversed right now because of the sovereign authority of the risen king. Right now, arthritis is coming out of joints. Somebody had it in their left knee. It was happening really strong this morning. Just shake that knee right now, that authority. Takes that arthritis out of your knee right now. Somebody had all arthritis in their knees. Just shake those knees. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Somebody had issues in their wrists. Again, I think it's arthritis. Right now, move those wrists. The healer is here. The healer is here. We're in his presence. He's worthy of our worship and our adoration. Headaches right now. Stop. Stop. Migraines. They stop. They stop and they don't return. To somebody with a bowel complaint, be healed. Be healed right now. Be healed. Let your body be healed. Let the power of God come through your intestines and your bowel and mend everything that's broken. Colitis, I don't even know what that is. Healed in Jesus' name. Simply because the healer is in the room. We don't need a man dressed up with a wig. The real one is here. The real Christ is here. Oh, if that don't affect our worship, I don't know what will. Come on, power of God breaking out. No man getting the glory. Just Christ. Just Christ. No man. No great preacher. Just Christ. Lord, let your actuality, like waves, Continue to move upon our hearts throughout this day. Holy Spirit, bring all of these things from a condition of concept to a moment of life-changing actuality, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God's just delivering someone of an addiction right now. 
If it's been an addiction on your life, maybe a known one like smoking or drinking or drugs or uh, porno, right now, right now, right now, right now, that addiction's broken off of your life. Right now, just like the Isla Gedarines, it begs to go into the pigs because it cannot handle his presence. Right now, delivered from that addiction. Right now, that addiction, that addiction is broken off of your life. Listen, look at me. You don't need to do it anymore. You're free. Because who the Son sets free is free indeed.